0: hello and welcome to fgc philosophy and happy fourth of july as of recording this intro it is july 4th Uh, we did our celebrations yesterday but nonetheless welcome to fgc philosophy this is our podcast where we combine personal development and competitive gaming primarily fighting games but since i work in the esports industry it has expanded uh to not just fighting games but competitive games as a whole Uh, of course i have analogies and comparisons and things of that nature but today a little more laid back i'm going to be talking about uh, the vacation that i had and also dnf duel first impressions for those who don't know or i haven't talked about it enough yet uh, a new fighting game came out i actually uh, was gifted the game by a member of the community and i've been playing it a little bit and i i share my thoughts uh, right after finishing my stream just for some context this is going to be a a clip or a part of the live stream podcast that I did. So I'm doing the introduction now, and then we're gonna get into the actual conversation. If I feel the need to do so, I might add a little bit of context uh, in post-production. But for the most part, uh, we do talk about A lot of heavy topics, because on my vacation, I will say a couple of spoilers is I went to uh, the Black Wall Street Massacre Museum slash Memorial, but I also went to a Holocaust Museum while I was on vacation. And those aren't fun things, but those are things that I I felt like I really wanted to, to go experience. Uh, so, there will be some heavy topics. I do get a little bit heated during certain parts of it. Uh, there's a part that I clipped out that I may wind up putting as a bonus episode or something, where I get into like, this this kind of weird debate with someone from the stream, someone I don't know personally, uh, but they started talking really crazy, and that was really interesting. Uh, <laughs> to have that conversation, it was really weird. Uh, it wound up ending with like Freemasons or conspiracy theories. It was really weird. It was really weird. But nonetheless, uh, today's episode it was it was fun i want to do more live episodes if you don't know i actually stream on twitch.tv slash philosopher philo cypher spelled the same way as it is on here and um i talked about that experience and i I like that format because it forces me to be more present than i already am because you can't edit live you can edit in post-production of course but that that extra sense of accountability is there i like that so i may if schedule willing Uh, Allows me I will be doing that more often. I really enjoy that. Uh, I'm trying to get into that schedule trying to get more content Um, I'm hoping that I can upload some of the gameplay for DNF duel here soon I've been streaming it not three days in a row, but I've I've had three days of streaming it Uh, And I really want to put some content out because it's a very fascinating game uh, without getting too much into it right now so more than likely the video version of this will have my gameplay over top of it if you want to watch the youtube version because i don't think i'm going to use my camera footage i'm just going to do the gameplay on my podcast keep it simple uh, no crazy editing or anything like that uh, but nonetheless i want to hop right into this episode before we do though of course i've got to mention audible this is the one thing that i will plug because i swear by it if you like reading but maybe don't have the time for audiobooks or you want to get into reading but don't care to do it for whatever reason no judgment audiobooks are your best way of handling that because you can do things while listening to audiobooks i do a lot of personal development books you know i've talked about mastery i've talked about the art of learning recently i've been talking about the inner game of tennis but i also have things like the sword of truth series harry potter series and a few other non-fiction stories as well so it's it's good for both worlds but if you want to try it out with no obligation you can go to taviannapier.com slash audible you'll get a free month get that service try it out if you don't get it no big deal you tried it and you know it's not for you if you do keep it you want to pay for the service then I get a small commission it helps me out keeps the lights on keeps the show going and I would greatly appreciate it but nonetheless let's get into this show what's going on guys welcome to a live episode of fgc philosophy Uh, i'm gonna be talking about dnf duel and also vacation my experience some things get a little bit heavy i suppose uh for some people for me it's a tuesday (laughs) uh but we'll get that in just a second so for those who are new to this channel or new to the podcast normally i do it off screen um, or off live stream, but sometimes I'll do it on stream. I'm trying to get more consistent with my content, trying to upload every Monday, uh, and then a the YouTube version about a week later if I want to do a YouTube version. YouTube's sort of up in the clouds right now until I get more consistent with my content on uh, podcast, my audio stuff. And then I want—I have ideas in my head of other content, like DNF Duel. I would like to make some content for that, but uh, nonetheless, my point is I am here. I love fighting games. I love person development. I love philosophy. Uh, I love talking about different topics, social, political. Uh, A lot of times it's mainly fighting game related, but FGC philosophy has sort of evolved over the course of my life. Like a lot of, my success is because of this podcast or because of the show that I've been doing. For those who don't know, I work at a couple of different colleges, but the biggest one that I'm happy about is uh, Western Michigan University. I'm the esports coordinator there. Uh, there's a lot of big shifts, so I'm basically gonna be seeing the whole entire program more than likely as long as the budget goes through. I'm waiting for that. Uh, but yeah, I've learned a lot. And my, my resume was in part my, my content, my YouTube videos and my, my locals and the people that did the esports program wanted to hire me and that opened up so many more doors i started doing more commentary i started traveling more um before the pandemic happened and everything but nonetheless my point is, is that i have a lot of experience in the esports industry and i've sort of been shifting to not just fighting games uh because esports is my career fgc is my personal interest so yeah fgc organizer podcaster esports coach family man yep yep <laughs> i do a little bit of it i'm a renaissance man right <laughs> uh yeah and uh Working on overlays and all that kind of stuff. I, I like I like learning things. I like doing a lot of things on my own, uh, but time is limited. So, shouts out to AG for for uh, making the Twitter and, and helping with the podcast and everything. Or well, not the podcast, but the the locals and whatnot. So, shouts out to him, by the way. But nonetheless, uh, the first topic I want to get into is DNF Duel because it's fresh in my brain right now. I've been playing it uh, what like two hours or so now. Let me let me check how many hours I have in Steam on this game. hours? Okay. I think I might have left it running at some point. Oh, it's running right now, actually. Let me close it down. (laughs) Let me close it down. All right. So, DNF Duel. Where do I want to start with this? Now, I'll start with the, the gameplay and the gameplay mechanics. For those who haven't played this game, it's been somewhat controversial because it has easy inputs, and I... I'm personally okay with that. I'm currently utilizing those rather than the the traditional like DP inputs and quarter circles and stuff like that. When I, if I get to the degree where I wanna optimize my mana usage and stuff, then I might go around to using that. But right now it's just fun trying to figure out what the characters can do. I'm able to bounce from character to character a little bit quicker and just mess around with everything they have and be like, okay, these are all the moves that they have. And then now that I'm more situated, I can I can be more optimal. But right now I can kind of just like pick up a character, play it around, play around with it and be like, oh, this is how that character works. This is how this character feels. And I, I love that because it allows me to get to the, the more fun part of it, the chess aspect of the game. Like once you have the mechanics down, then the chess part, the strategy part opens up and that's for me, what's most satisfying is being like, I know what you're gonna do. I'm gonna do this to counter it. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm doing this. I'm gonna have this kind of pressure. I'm gonna mix you up. Uh, mix ups aren't really my my favorite thing, which is probably why I don't lean too much towards it. Uh, but it is very much part of this game. But it's different because there's a block button. So there's, the game is very refreshing because it's it's plays so differently. I think the closest game you can compare it to is Grand Blue, but I didn't really get too much into that game. But I do know that it's similar to Grand Blue, Grand Blue, but like more over the top. Like, it's just bigger buttons, crazier, crazier combos, I think. Uh, I don't know. Grand Blue just didn't, like, do it for me. I don't know if it was, like, the fantasy setting or what, but it just wasn't my thing. But this feels closer to Guilty Gear, which I do like that aesthetic. It's really cool, uh, but it's more grounded in terms of your movement options. So you don't have a double dash or, an air, like, you don't have an air dash. You don't have an instant air dash, double jump, except for Kun- Kun- uh, Kunuichi, I believe. Uh, maybe another character. Um, Dragon Knight does have a flight mode, so I don't know if you consider that an air dash after you go into flight mode. So there are some options, but it's very niche to that character. It'll make sense within that character. Outside of that, you can't air block, uh, and that's messing me up a lot because I see anime game and I think Guilty Gear, and I'm trying to air block or, or Marvel. Like It feels kind of like a Marvel. It feels like a grounded Marvel to me more than anything else, uh, but like with easy inputs. And people have compared it to... Power Rangers, and I think the way the game plays in terms of like inputs, very similar. The way the game feels to me doesn't feel like it. And I know that's a really weird thing to say, but like the way the combos feel when you land and everything, they just—it's—it's it's more of a feeling thing. I can't currently articulate why it doesn't feel like a, a Power Rangers to me. Battle for the Grid, but it, it feels better to me. Like Power of the Grid feels not clunky um i don't know how to put battle for the grid like it, it feels a little bit more stiff right it when you learn the game it feels a lot better like there's certain characters like i think it's rj the the wolf ranger he's really cool i love that character but it just it's not as a fun of a feeling to me and i don't know how to make that any better <laughs> how, to, how to word that any better than i already am um but yeah in terms of the mechanics i think it's pretty rich i like the mana usage system i think that's really fun uh, it rewards you for having better inputs if you like mana regeneration is faster if you're willing to actually uh do the inputs yeah and dnf does feel very freeform i think that's a really good point um i i feel like uh for me like naga was a, free, a free-form character where i can play him and just be like oh i can probably do this and then you know do that and this game i at first playing the beta and not having any context as to how the game works I was like, this feels very limited because I don't know what the heck the buttons are. I tried looking it up online, but like I just didn't have enough context to understand how everything worked. After watching a bunch of videos when the game came out, because uh, I didn't have any intention of getting this game until I had more money, uh, but shouts out to Nealith for picking it up for me. Um, I I watched a lot of it and I was like, this game does look very fun. It looks very rich. And it looks like there's a lot of options. Like I didn't know there was OTGs. I didn't realize the conversion was a thing where you can basically Roman cancel in a way, but that Roman cancel, that conversion, also coincides with your health bar and your mana usage so it's very intermingled and you have to meter usage is different than other fighting games because your health bar is a resource and your mana bar uh, can get resources from your health bar and you can also get combo extensions or make things safe if you're willing to spend the gray health and you also get mana back as a result depending on how much you're willing to spend so it's like risk reward is very different and in part of it is based off of utilizing your health as a resource and taking into account of what you get out of it some characters play around that like berserker feels sort of like nago to me with how he utilizes his health it's not the same thing but like that risk reward of like i'm going to lose health if i don't do things properly but i get health back if i do things properly um that's personally very satisfying to me that's one aspect of of the game that just like uh, i guess it's the dark souls in me right i don't play dark souls too hardcore except for elden ring uh but i know there's people who just love to try hard in that game and i think i don't see it as try harding i just seeing it as like an adrenaline rush it's like you know skydiving or something like that it's just fun to me to do that like it's rewarding when i win um but there's other characters that are really fun and cool like grappler looks really interesting but i think he's going to be a hard character to play i predict he's going to be a good character but you have to be good in a specific set of skills like you have to be able to read people you have to be able to like whiff punish um you have to be able to uh not have good execution per se but like have good confirms right because he has easy confirms in my opinion but if you if you're not calm with him if you're not paying attention to the situation when you get a touch uh he can do some pretty big damage and he can also armor through some moves and then if you think like, he's like a neutral rock, paper, scissors. If you think they're going to do a low and beat your armor, then you do the low crush. If you think they're going to press a button to try to get through you, then you armor through it and do that. Uh, you also can do, like, a parry, right? If you think that they're going to press a button and you know they're going to press a button, then just, like, parry it and, like, pull them in and just, like, body them, like, reuse a or 2. <laughs> pull them across the screen, like, get down here. It's, it. I think he's a character that's going to be It's going to take a while for him to actually be higher tier. And until then, I think he's going to get placed around B tier because it's so hard to play. Uh, But I think the higher level players are going to figure out a lot of cool stuff. But like lower level players, lower ranked players, might not have as good of a time with him because he's going to be hard to play, I feel like. Um, There's certain characters that I think are going to be hard mechanically and certain characters are going to be hard strategically. Grappler is hard strategically but easy execution for the most part. Like, I don't think anything is too hard for him in terms of inputs. And then there's characters like Swiftmaster, where he's bonkers. He just has a lot of stuff. He's fun. He's really, really fun. I didn't think I'd like him, but he looked cool. I was like, he looks like a cool character, but he just looks over the top. But after playing him and just like getting a feel for him, uh, I don't know if I'd consider him a set play, but he kind of is a setup character because he has like the wind orb. I haven't looked at his breakdown, so I don't know. I haven't done any of his trials, but I feel like he's one of those characters. Him and Dragon Knight are the the set play characters that can set up stuff on the screen and do things. Uh, I think Inquisitor kind of falls into that, but she's more of a basic version of that. Um, But yeah, there's a good variety of characters. I I could be wrong with a lot of this, but just from what I've seen, I really think that this game is going to be a very character matchup, heavy sort of meta and I don't, I don't see a reason not to do that because of how easy it is to learn characters in this game like i don't think you need to have the same level of like i need to dig deep into this game to figure out how to use this character because there's there's a couple of different ways you can get better at a character really easily like if you're not going to be too prideful you just do the simple inputs learn the timing of a combo and then you can go back and do the harder inputs once you understand the timing because I don't know if a lot of people understand this but when you're learning execution there's multiple factors in execution that need to be broken apart but everyone wants to just do it all together first off you have the confirm did the move hit did it whiff did it block did it counter hit can you tell the difference between which one and can you convert into damage accordingly then there's the actual execution of the combo that's that's a different thing than confirming that needs to be practiced outside of that. And you don't need to do the crazy hard inputs to practice that. Like you, you make it a lot easier to focus on your confirming if you just look at the simple inputs, you do the combo, you find the timing of the juggles or whatever it is, then you can go back and you can do the try hard inputs if you want to do that to really optimize the mana usage. Like I, it, I think a lot of people... Are very prideful and like this is how i learned to play the game it's like very boomer energy right this is how i learned to play the game this is how like it's supposed to be and i'm unwilling to change my mindset because this is what i think of when i think of fighting games and if it's not this it's wrong right that's a lot of people think that way and it's like why are you punishing yourself like and not enjoying a game like you're making a game not fun because you are choosing to have a personal preference right there's a lot of people that fall into that category and then there's people who will plateau in a game because they're not willing to do something easier because it seems like beneath them or whatever like whatever the reason is i've seen it happen it doesn't make a lot of sense to it uh (laughs) no fun allowed yes no fun allowed indeed (laughs) right and i i think fighting games are fun i think learning is fun i think improving is is fun uh losing can be fun as well because you get like experience out of it if you're willing to look for that information so i feel like when you're learning a character like this or when you're learning a game like this, just make it as simple as possible. And they've made it as simple as possible, but there's a lot of depth to the game that you can have uh, once you get better at it because of the strategies. And to get back to my point, with matchups, the way some of the skills work in this game, like the, the magic skills and, the, and uh, the special skills, the S and the MS, they're over the top, right? They're just ridiculous. and. I can see that certain characters may have better ways of getting around it. Now that you do have the role and you do have some universal mechanics that really help. Um, So even if you wanna be a character specialist, you have options, right? So it's not like you have to switch to a certain character to beat a certain character, but I think you're gonna have a way easier time dealing with it. And because it's so much easier to learn a character, unless you're just being prideful, right? If you're talking about competitive, you're playing to win, not like playing for fun, not like, you know, I just wanna enjoy the game. If you're like, what is the most efficient way to win in this game? Like, I'm thinking esports, right? I'm thinking, like, high-level tournaments and stuff like that. What are people going to be doing? And I think eventually, players are going to be able to learn. Like, high-level characters, high-level players learn characters really quickly already. So, you add a game like this into the mix, and you're going to find people like Punk that are, like, learning multiple characters. Uh, he already did it in Street Fighter, so I know you can do it in this game. Uh, you're going to have... Who else is playing this game? Like, Brian F, I think, is touching this game. I don't think he's going to stick to it. I'd love to see him stick to it. I'd love to see some more Street Fighter players crossing over into other games. Uh, I would love that. I'd love to see Justin Wong playing this game. Um, Was it Super Noon? Sonic Fox, I'd like to see playing this game. You know, as a commentator, I want to see these guys playing, and I want to see my predictions, right? So this is me like saying it now so that if I'm wrong or I'm right, it's documented, right? It's documented. I don't care if I'm wrong, right? That's fine. But... I don't think I'm going to be. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to see how that goes, and I'm curious to see if this game was even successful competitively. I know that Arxis is putting some money behind it, so I, I, I know they're going to at least have a, a good push, especially with, because they're pairing it with Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, so people are going to be going to tournaments that have Strive in it, which is a pretty popular game, so it's sort of piggybacking off of that, and it's also easier, so it's going to get newer blood into the game. And I think with the Riot fighting game looming around the corner, you're going to have more people poking into the world of fighting games and trying to like ease into it. And I think this is probably the best game to prepare for the Riot fighting game because the inputs are kind of similar. I think that Riot is going to have cooldowns rather than mana, but it's a similar concept uh, where you're going to have like, matchups, and it's going to be simpler inputs, but more strategy uh, and more counterplay uh, and more variety of characters because Riot has a huge roster. Uh, And I think that DNF has a pretty decent roster as well. Um, But, yeah, I'll get to the vacation in just a second. Um, I'm just kind of finishing my thoughts on on, uh, DNF Duel. So, overall, I like the characters. There's not really a character that I don't like. I think there's a couple of characters that I, I... don't care to play because i've seen those types enough to be like i don't care like striker is probably i can't even say least favorite she's a cool character right she's tifa lockhart incarnate um but i think she's a character i want to play the least right now and then next to that is like the witch character or whatever the warlock mage lady i don't know what that was but um she looks cool but I don't care. I don't want to play her. I think those are my like, least two favorite characters. But even then, those characters still look cool. Like, there's no character in this game that I think is lame. Um, and normally, I do think there's characters that are lame. Like, I'm not mean about it. But it's just like, ah, that character doesn't really resonate with me. Diego <laughs> is going to be in the Riot Fighting game. He probably will be in there. I don't know if he's going to be, like, uh, season one. Like, day one. He's probably going to be DLC, honestly. Because he has ruined King and everything. So I think that he would be a DLC character, but I don't know how they're gonna do the pricing of that game. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So overall, I think DNF Duel is a really fun game. I think if you're newer to fighting games, then this is the perfect game to get into it. One of the reasons why I wanted to get into this game is to teach more people how to play fighting games because execution isn't a factor in this game, so I can help players focus on other skills that will help them play overall better. Like there's, there are so many people who focus on the wrong things when they're trying to learn a game, and they never circle back to those skills and they just have like a really lopsided foundation so they never they like always plateau in games like I I will plateau in fighting games because there's a certain threshold of time that you have to invest into it to get better uh but I can still improve without playing the game because I'm like thinking about it I'm I'm visualizing the game so even when I'm like a week or two or a month away from the game I can still come back to a game and it might I'll have to warm up right I'll have to warm up a little bit and play some matches or you know hit the lab but I'm very confident in my ability to not like atrophy in fighting games that I don't wanna atrophy in, mainly Street Fighter, uh, Marvel, and um, Strive now, right? Strive as well. So I I wanna help people do that. And I think this game is gonna be a little bit easier, hopefully, to help ease people into that. So I don't know if I'm gonna make content or just like live stream. Uh, I've live streamed all of my gameplay in this game so far, and I'm gonna try to continue that trend so that I just have this content when I try to teach people. I can kind of like circle back and, and teach people how to play the game, but I'm sort of feeling it out and learning it right now. And yeah, I do agree that the theory crafting in this game is a huge improvement. I I think that that's going to be a trend in certain kinds of fighting games. Not all, but I, I think certain kinds of fighting games, the uh, Riot, you know, Project L being one of those games, this game is definitely that. Um, I'm curious to see what other fighting game developers are behind the scenes making some games. But overall... I think this game is fun for all fighting game players. I think you have to let go of certain aspects of the game because I think it's going to be harder to learn for old heads if they don't let go of how they think about fighting games and just play it for what it is. But uh, if you're newer, you're trying to get into fighting games, you don't like all the pretzel mechanics, you don't have to do those. You can just do the simple mechanics and the game still feels just fine. Uh, There's a lot of depth of mechanics that you can utilize. So even though... The motions aren't part of the equation. There's still a lot of button presses and things and combinations that you have to do, uh, so you still have to get that timing and that rhythm. Uh, and that's—it's not hard, but it's not easy either, right? It's just—it takes some getting used to. Like, there's certain combos that, like, I can do in my head, but my biggest struggle is usually remembering long strings. So it takes me a while to remember longer combos, and like, I'll just have to take a break before I—I I, like keep hitting my head against the wall because it's like my mind is not in the right place and so i have to just sort of reset and that's something i've learned to work around and then i'll like think about it outside of the game but uh to recap i'm loving dnf duel i think it's a fun game there's a lot of cool characters um i don't think people should take it too seriously just sort of try things out and play the game um i would recommend if you're trying to actually get better at fighting games don't mash I i think this game is really easy to mash out certain things I think it's really easy to mash out combos. But if your goal is to get better overall in fighting games, don't just mash it out. Uh, You can mash it out to find the timing to see if you can do something. Like, that's different. But if you're trying to actually learn a combo or learn some, like, execution, just do it slowly, right? The more you get used to it, the more you can tighten it up and find that timing, right? Uh, Online, you want to mash it a little bit more just because rollback or, or like, you know, drop frames are a thing. Uh, But when you're practicing... You have, like, see how much time you have to confirm something. Like take a, take a button, like press your, your sl- like your light button, your A button, and then do this, like every character has an AA. Press A and then press the second A as slow as possible and just see how, long, how much time you have. And then after you see how much time you have, see if you can react to it when you see the hit, like flash or whatever. Like when you recognize that it hits, see if you can combo into that. If you can do the AA, then you should be able to do every other button that the character has because most buttons are very, very active. Um, So try that out. Let me know what you think. (music) Moving on though. So for those who don't know, I went to Dallas last week or two weeks ago. I don't know. I think it was two weeks ago. And uh, my wife and I went there. She went because her and a bunch of friends were going for a reunion concert. There's this band from like 18 years ago called Flicker Stick. Apparently they were pretty big back then. They are getting back together. Like They got back together and they did a two-day concert, um, which I've never done a two-day concert before. Maybe that's just... Uh, I just never went to the second show. I don't know if that's a thing. But either way, um, that in itself was fun, but I mainly just went to get away from everything like I really needed a break uh work is kind of crazy and everything so basically what I did like what the things that I really uh I don't want to say enjoyed but I'll just say enjoyed for lack of a better term when I was heading down there we we stopped in Tulsa for a hotel we drove all the way it's 14 hour drive on the way to the venue we uh stopped Oklahoma Tulsa Oklahoma and then we realized that there is a museum-slash-memorial. So, we want to check that out. So, um, I had known about this and actually learned about it from, like, a TV show. A couple TV shows referenced it. Uh, I believe the Watchmen show referenced this. And, um... Basically, it was... I think it was the most prosperous black neighborhood uh, in America at the time, or one of the most. And it was the nickname for it was Black Wall Street. And so what happened (laughs) is, uh... (laughs) This is not funny. This is not. I have to laugh to just like process it sometimes, but this city was just a black city. People lived here, um, they were making money. There was barber shops and, and bankers and like a lot of businessmen, a lot of uh, poets and Arthur, authors came from this town. Uh, it was a really, really booming city. And what happens is basically a bunch of angry uh, white people come through and just burn down literally the whole entire city. Like this is what it looked like before and then this is what it looked like afterwards. And they just killed tons and tons of people. So this was a hundred years ago now, but that's like two generations. And, And so what sucked is I got there and I didn't realize I had to make a reservation. So I got there on Friday. We drove on Thursday, stayed overnight on Thursday in Tulsa. On Friday, I was like, let's stop by this before we leave. We had to make a reservation. So I was like, fine. I will come back to that um, on our way back. So we stopped there on our way back from the event. And I'll get to my other thing in a minute as well. But yeah, so uh, I wish I had brought my pictures and uploaded them because I took some pictures of the the museum. But um, you just basically learn the details of what happened there and how there were so many great minds that lived there. And a lot of people were just like, a whole entire town wiped out. And the reason this is important is because, like, I... So, on one side, my wife's side, is like there's a lot of right-wing conservative people. Um, and I see a lot of that on my, my Facebook page, which I don't get on Facebook, but maybe once a week, or I'll use a Messenger app. But it it is really hard to articulate to people who just don't understand, like, I'm not one for saying you have white privilege. Like, it's very rare that I will call someone out and say you have white privilege. But then there's people who don't seem to understand that I'm not saying that you are just inherently privileged because you're white. I'm saying there are certain situations you're not put in because you're white. Like you're never going to have to worry about someone thinking you're going to rob them because of the color of your skin. You're not going to think that someone is going to like hurt you just because of the color of your skin. Uh, you're not going to be denied jobs or, or snubbed in certain kinds of ways because of the color of your skin. Like There is some caveats to that nowadays, but for the most part, there are things in place, and people call it systemic racism, and that's essentially the case, where there's a lot of people who don't understand, I call it generational pain, right? Imagine, and this is something, I like, I want people to do this thought experiment, especially people who don't understand, like, the black struggle. Imagine you come to this country, like, imagine you're a descendant, right? And you're visualizing your history. And you, you're, the first person here that came here was brought here by, by force, right? They were a slave then they had kids and their kids were slaves. Then they had kids and their kids were slaves. And then they had to be forced to fight in a war because they're slaves and they don't have a say in it. And then they get freedom. They get told that they have freedom. It takes two years before they get actual freedom. And then they get actual freedom and they're having kids, right? They're the, the free slaves, um, You know, they're still waiting. They're still being enslaved you're told they're not gonna be slaves, you're trying to escape and you're getting murdered even though you're legally not supposed to be a slave anymore. It takes two years before they finally do something about that. Then, after you're finally technically free, what happens? They do shit like this. They burn down your city. They they don't let you do things, they segregate you. And it takes forever for your generation to deal with this. So how do you generate generational wealth when people are tearing down your cities? Like, what do you do, right? Think about that, you're you're a descendant of one of these people and you don't understand why so many black people are angry and frustrated with the system when it's like, for years we've been held back and you're telling me that there's nothing wrong. And as a black person, you inherently feel very paranoid that the world is out to get you, that America is out to get you, that cops are out to get you. The cops are the boogeyman for a lot of black people. For me, I have panic attacks as an upstanding citizen. I have panic attacks when I see a cop, even though I know I'm not doing anything wrong. And there are people who just don't get it. Like they don't get it. I'm not saying that you need to, to give me special privileges. I'm not saying that you need to treat me a different kind of way. Just let me like understand my struggle, understand what happened to my generation and, and how, much that holds us back from having success like there are absolutely a lot of black people who they they pigeonhole themselves right they don't there's a very much a crab mentality in a lot of black people but they've been conditioned to feel that way they've been conditioned for so long to feel like they can't do anything because the government is out to get them and they're not technically wrong so a lot of people A lot of black people they don't get depressed they get angry instead because it feels very hopeless but instead of just giving up they lash out they learn how to survive based on their circumstances some people will deal more with crime because they don't feel like the system works for them so you grow up in generations of generations of being told that this is how your family was treated but then it's not acknowledged by history books it's not acknowledged anywhere in the history books for a lot of this stuff like black wall street they don't talk about this why multiple reasons i'm sure but then after that, after more and more people are realizing stuff like this, stuff like the, the Black Wall Street Massacre, right? What do they do? They, they start talking about CRT, critical race theory, right? They start talking about how we're trying to teach kids that, you know, we're trying to teach white kids that they're horrible and they did horrible things. And, like, I, I don't know how much you guys know about CRT. I'm not going to delve too deep into it right now. But you see people actively trying to Hide the history of what happened in America to your race, and then what they're doing is like they're saying they're trying to hide it behind CRT. When like this is history, this isn't CRT, this isn't a theory. This happened, and it should be talked about. And there, there's someone that asked me, like, how old do you think you should be when you talk about this kind of stuff? I said a lot of this should be talked about before you graduate high school. I'm not talking about critical race theory. I'm talking about history. What happened to people and understanding that kind of situation. There's a lot of people that after they graduate, that's it. They don't learn more about history. They don't get any more context. So you have these racist people teaching other racist people and they never learn in school what actually happened. And they just have this whole perception that white or black people are just lazy people and they have it great, not realizing how much struggle that their generations have had to deal with. And it's really hard to accumulate generational wealth or generational knowledge when people keep beating the shit out of you, both literally and figuratively, right? How do you grow as a person when you feel like the world or like the country is out to get you? And it just frustrates me so much. And like just seeing this, it, and that's why I, I was hesitant to say it's like a good experience where I enjoyed myself because I, you know, me and my wife both win, right? And, i'm not surprised by this kind of stuff because i've been hearing it for so many years from my family and from other black people so it's not like it was crazy to me but just seeing it acknowledged in physical form it felt like i had to go there it felt like i had to experience that for myself and sort of just see the individuals know the individuals names know their stories see what happened um it's it's something that i'm thinking about more and more as i grow and um Also, this is the same weekend where Roe v. Wade was overturned. So me and my wife were really talking about like racial and and, um, gender inequality. Like we were talking about a lot of this, you know, during our free times when we weren't at the concert. So this was like really ruminating in my mind because I I don't let my race hold me back from doing things that I want to do. I will take advantage of it when I have the opportunity. Like sometimes I'll get a job because of um, affirmative action or whatever. But like there, there's certain privileges that I have. But my point though is that we had a lot going on in our mind. We had a lot that we were trying to process. Um, I almost I had found out about Roe v. Wade for my wife and I almost didn't want to tell her. Like she she's um as a voter, she's pro choice. As an individual, she's pro life, right? So like if she ever got to put in that situation, she probably would never get an abortion. But both of us we well, we both both signed a petition in Michigan to um make sure that pro-choice is still a thing in, in Michigan. Our governor is cool with that. Now, again, if you have different political views, that's fine. But, like, I, I, don't, I don't know how much I want to get into politics. But I'll, I'll maybe circle back to that a little bit. But, so, I will say, because I'm a glutton for pain, I didn't just go to this museum. I went to another one. In Dallas, there is a Holocaust museum that was right near the venue. So, you know, why not prep myself for going to the Tulsa uh, Museum by going to the Holocaust Museum and seeing another horrible treatment of of individuals across a span of time and just learning about that and I, I I learned a good bit about this. Ironically, you learn a lot a lot about this in high school. Um, I guess because it didn't happen in America. I don't know, but you just it. <sighs> hmm, how do I word this? On one level, I feel like I'm so desensitized to all of this that I'm not surprised by any of it. There, But there's also a part of me that just feels incredibly angry, right? Like, it's something that I pay attention to because anger is an emotion I don't tend to let... I don't leave it unchecked. I will use anger to emphasize things a lot of times, but I don't let my anger make decisions for me if that makes sense like i have a buffer in my brain but i feel this anger uh going to these museums and recognizing these situations and how i don't feel like it's impossible for this to happen again right that's kind of the theme is that i i am a weird individual i i've had a, a chance to live a life where i'm an outcast to white people and to black people I talk about this from time to time on my podcast, but essentially, you know, I grew up in a predominantly black area when I was younger. I got picked on a lot because I acted white. Uh, The backstory behind that is, one, I watched a lot of TV and sitcoms, but two, my dad is from Jamaica. He's an immigrant, and when he moved here, he taught himself how to speak with an American accent. So my mom's from the hood. Like, she has a hood accent. I didn't really catch on to that. Uh, None of my siblings really did. But then, like, all my mom's siblings and their cousins and stuff like that, nieces and nephews, they all were from that area. So I was always around this. I was always around, like, lower-income areas, around violent areas, high-crime areas. Um, You know, when we were younger, one of our pastimes was, like, busting into foreclosed houses and, like, just finding things to take, right? So, like, as an adult, I realized that, oh, that's pretty terrible. But, like, I was around that sort of thing, and I sometimes conducted myself in that behavior if I felt like I wasn't going to get in trouble, right? Right. And, but, being an outcast because you act white, it it allowed me to have this weird middle ground where I could recognize the faults in people despite their race, right? I, I recognized that there were commonalities, you know, or stereotypes in a lot of black people that I was around, you know, a certain kind of person. And it's not even... Like As I got older, I realized it's not a black thing or a white thing, it's a cultural thing. You grow up in a certain kind of environment where there's a lot of crime, you get desensitized to that, and eventually you might, if you feel like you don't have other options, take part in those activities. And that really helped me to grow as a human being and be more empathetic and be more understanding, but also understand what I, as an individual, as me, as Tavian, what I wanted out of life and who was I going to be. And um, a lot of times my, my blackness was questioned by other black people, including my mom. Uh, that was something that I to this day still, um, am dealing with. Right. And it's not something that I can't handle. I can handle it just fine, but it is, it is frustrating when you are actively helping people of color to be better human beings, but then people are, are challenging your blackness, right? It's, it's a little insulting especially when it comes from people that you know. Um, and then on the other side, seeing a lot of these far-right conservatives talking this nonsense, not understanding a situation, not understanding how, like, the hypocrisy, right? I, again, I'm not trying to hate on, on the Christian conservatives. I, I will say that I am an atheist, um, and I am hyper-aware as a former Christian of how much influence a Christian religion has on politics and on the Republican Party as a whole. And it, it disgusts me. And I I don't really know how to put it nicely, other than the fact that, you know, they are behaving, in my mind, like oppressors, hiding under the guise of freedom. Because when when it's relevant to them, it's freedom. When it's not relevant to them, we're heathens or we're terrible people, it's morally wrong. But it seems to be based a lot in their religion, and it's really frustrating how hypocritical a lot of these people are. Just seeing how a lot of those people probably wouldn't have had a problem with like the Tulsa massacre, Probably wouldn't have had a problem with, like, the Holocaust. You know, It's there's a, some accusations that I'm making here. There's some assumptions that I'm making here. Uh, I'm talking very generally, so take that with a grain of salt. But just how I feel, you know, from moment to moment, and what I see people saying, because I, I don't watch just liberal media. I'll watch conservative media as well. Like, someone was talking to me about, like, did you watch Mike Pillow's Cyber Symposium? I was like, yeah, I did watch it, actually. Because, like, people will pick their, their form of media. And I actively try to find different sources of media because I want to find those middle grounds. Cause like sometimes maybe conservatives have something to say and it's kind of being uh, flipped. But nowadays, even though I'm not, I'm an independent, uh, a lot of times while I may not always agree with the left, I will say that I disagree very strongly a lot of times with the right. So, and uh, yeah, Rose, I, uh, I'm not surprised it didn't come up in school. I, I'm assuming you're you're college age, so I grew up in a weird area where segregation was no longer a thing, right? So, like, I don't know if you guys understand this, but segregation wasn't that long ago, okay? Uh, My grandmother lived through segregation. So, let me look this up real fast. I think it was 1960s, if I'm not mistaken. I'm almost sure it was 1960s yeah so civil rights act of 1964 so up into the 60s black people weren't allowed to do the things that white people did like there was white there was whites only things and black only things that, that imagine living in that world like put yourself in those shoes and then imagine you're the person like the question that a lot of people ask is would you want to be the black man in this situation right and if the answer is no then why is it no and then how can we be equal if you don't want to be us right so that's that's the thing (laughs) and a lot of people don't get that this was very recent this isn't that long ago so there's a lot of people who are still alive who want this but can't say they want this because it's not it's not kosher to say that anymore so it's it it's on my mind a good bit um, not to the point to where it's like taking over it, but one of the next steps in my life is getting involved in politics and trying to figure out where I fit in that, uh, after, you know, I get my career settled because I'm, I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of things happening the way they happen. I'm sick of fake politicians. I'm sick of a lack of accountability. Uh, I'm sick of people saying they're going to do things and not actually doing them. I'm looking at you liberals, uh, liberal, uh, pop, 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 oh my God, liberal politicians, Right? Not just liberals, civilians, the politicians that are doing it. Am I a Freemason? Nah, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think I'm a Freemason. I don't know how to say your name. He said, well, good luck. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I want people to be able to disagree, but, and this is a tangent from the vacation, right? But this is, again, like, things that I'm thinking about while I'm on vacation. Like, I, I had a lot of things to compress. Oh, hey, what's up? What's up george i i am well i'm on a pointless path if that's what you want to do uh, i mean you can feel that way if you want to right i i think that a lot of politicians want the average person to feel like it's pointless so that they can continue to do what they want to do i won't say that until i actually participate in the process and then see how things are done because i i know there's going to be a lot of bs a lot of playing games a lot of navigating through a lot of bureaucracy but i my philosophy is if i'm going to complain about something then i need to do something about it because if you don't do something about it then you're just crying like a baby right and i don't live my life that way so I, i'm not judging you right but i i disagree with the fact that it's pointless because I don't think it's pointless. It'll inspire other people to do things. Um, I will learn more about the political process. I'll be able to teach more people about the political process. So there's, there's things that can be done, right? And I still have my own business. I still have my own coaching and stuff like that. So I'll be able to still work on influencing and helping people grow as human beings rather than just playing this political game and trying to win a popularity contest. I care more about just my own life. I care about the well-being of pretty much everybody. Um my son's growing up in this world, my wife is living in this world, my family, my uh niece is growing up in this world. There's a lot of people who are struggling. So, uh I want to help those people. Like even outside of politics, the reason I became the philosopher, the reason I became a life coach, the reason I started working on like public speaking and making content is because I want people to stop hating life and live it to the best of their capabilities. Right? There's a lot of people who grow up depressed that don't have to. There's a lot of people who grow up hopeless or directionless that don't have to. So like, again, you live your best life, but it's not pointless to me. It's totally not pointless, and I, I 100% disagree with what you're saying. Uh, you're allowed to feel that way. I'm not offended, I'm not bothered by it, but I will 100% like argue against that every single time. But yeah, so that's what politics has to do with it. Uh, I've gotten pretty far off topic. Uh, I will say the concert was really good. I do have a funny story. It's funnier now that I'm not in it. So when I went to the concert the first night, I, um, I'm not a big guy for like loud noise. I'm a big guy. I'm not a guy. I'm not big on like loud venues and stuff like that. So my wife was hanging out with her friends and I was like, I'm just going to chill in the back and hang out. (laughs) And my mistake was, okay. Two things happened actually. (laughs) Golly. Okay. So there was this guy who was kind of cool. Like he was like, really excited about this right so this is like a lot of old people it was like primarily old people who were going to this concert like you know 18 years ago they were in their 20s or like in their 40s like early 40s now um this guy he must have been drunk like just out of the world it was him and his wife and a friend and this guy (laughs) so this guy was kind of cool like he was like talking to me chatting it up like give me a little intel on the concert because i was walking in not blind my wife is like a super fan like she she follows a lot of bands she travels she knows band members like personally uh we've gotten to hang out with a lot of band members so it's really cool to like hang out and drink with band members and stuff like that you know this guy was sharing me t- like telling me about the bands and stuff like that but he was like just so drunk He was like i'm 23 again like oh my god this is so crazy like he turned into like a a teenage girl and like he just kept getting more and more obnoxious as the night went on like he was getting louder and louder at one point he took off his shirt and I think his wife was getting embarrassed. And like he tried to get me, like, I'm six foot five. And this place is packed. And I'm already like trying to stay away from people. Cause I'm like, I'm not trying to catch COVID. And um This is in Texas. So I don't know how people feel about things. So I'm like, you know, just kinda being chill about something. I'm just like hanging out, and enjoying the music. It's not really dance music to me. Uh and this guy is like like this one song comes down, he's like, oh do this. Like, you know, tries to take my arms and say, do this. And I'm like, I'm too tall for that shit, dude. I'm gonna smack somebody. Like, be considerate to other people. And like his wife kinda had to like talk him down because he was just getting so ridiculous so I, I i went and got a drink i went and got like a double shot of like jack and jack and coke and i was like i'm just gonna chill over here and just like hang out by the bar and just drink uh but one of the other things that happened while i was there is um the area that i was hanging out with uh and uh, bluefin or pops if you're still here you know how we have like the audio system and everything uh upstairs in the uh booth arena booth so there was like a big area for that and like a big audio system and this i was standing in front of it so i was like hanging out because like there was nobody behind me other than like the dj or the sound mixers and stuff so i didn't have to worry about people behind me you know not being able to see the show i just i don't like being that tall guy in the way of people so i stand out of the way uh and while that was happening some drunk lady walks up to me with like a drink in her hand that's still like really full and like she's just like i don't know what she's trying to do like i think she's trying to put her cup down somewhere and like she starts bending down near my crotch and i'm like what are you doing whoa and then like she she takes a cup and like it looks like she's about to pour it over top of the audio stuff so like i didn't think at this moment so I like i took her hand like open hand and i was like what are you doing no no she's like no i'm like no what are you doing don't put that there like i just went into work mode out of nowhere and i was like go put that in the trash can or something what are you doing like no you're gonna ruin the show for everybody else get that out of here and she, like she just kind of saunters off all drunk like And i'm like what is happening here what is going on <laughs> um so yeah that that the first night i kind of was really annoyed by the time i got done i don't think i have social anxiety or anything but big crowds of people overwhelm me and in loud noises uh like over a prolonged period of time will overwhelm me so like when i go to a fighting game tournament i'm enjoying myself i'm having fun i'm socializing i'm doing things but like the sound of the crowd and the sound of all the noises eventually i'll have to step aside and like either put some headphones on or just kind of like meditate or something to recenter myself otherwise i just get like kind of anxious I don't know and just being there with that guy and the concert and people just like all over the place the first night the music was good that was about it like hanging out there was that wasn't that great uh but then the next night was way better All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you did like this episode, make sure you do like it and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Of course, the best thing that you can do to help me continue to get more exposure to get this out there more uh, is to leave a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Don't worry about hurting my feelings. I can take it. Uh, Let me get some constructive criticism on how I can improve. That'll be greatly appreciated. Thank you guys so much as always for listening and I will see you in the next one. Peace.